And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into Onto Waveland, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Onto Waveland, also presented by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney for this uh, latest episode of Onto Waveland, which we are doing. We're doing without our trusty producer Michael, like watching us like a hawk. Usually, he, <laughs> I, I know he's doing stuff, and I know he will do stuff with the audio that we send him for this. But like that is quite a security blanket. Just seeing his face ever present looming like okay i know that if i drop too many f-bombs uh he'll be there <laughs> and ready uh you know it's Make it's sure funny go, I, don't go too crazy well i think i want to say maybe like start of this season it could have been last year i had there was an episode where i like i might have said the f-word like three times <laughs> and he i don't know if he said it to all of us or if he just sent me a text he's like hey just so you know it's like okay if you do you're allowed to but like if you do a lot we've got to mark it explicit and it's kind of a whole thing so like if you don't need to you know just just be aware <laughs> i was like okay that's cool i don't have to you know, I, I don't have to it's just part of your personality this, brett i know well that's the funny thing is on the podcast i i guess I, that's the thing. Yeah. I think of it as like a word I say a lot and I like can't help it. And I, you know, it's just part of my vernacular, but clearly it's not because I guess I haven't said it a lot on this here fucking podcast for a while. Uh, so there's one. Michael. Uh, anyway, so I might drop a few more uh, this weekend with uh, the Cardinals coming to town. The uh, two, two very different stories going on right now for the Cubs and Cardinals, which boy Cubs fans just love that. There is nothing they love more than when the gritty Cardinals put together a great run and change their fortunes. And we'll get to that in just a moment. We have other stuff we want to touch on first. But how, how are you guys doing this week? Can we just start there? Are you having a good week? <laughs> it's a little gray. So it's hard. So I, I can't answer that in, in it's full. Fall. The, the grayness. Like fall has arrived. Yeah. I like the weather, but the grayness always throws me off. So I don't know what mood I'm in. I'll tell you in like five minutes or maybe half an hour. It changes. Brett, I'm just, you know, really honored that you arrived in Chicago and started podcasting <laughs> instead of just slamming Malort shots at all of your favorite <laughs> locales that you were able to keep it together for whatever the 25 minutes we have here before you just take it to the streets. I love it. If well, if I had arrived more than like seven minutes before we started recording, I may have had time to dash over to Nisei and get a few in. And that's when, see, that's when I really would start dropping the F-bombs. I wouldn't be able to, to mod modulate myself. Uh, so yeah, I am in Chicago. I wanted to take in a game from this, uh, 
the final homestand. Um, I had not planned this super far in advance, so I can't act like I was like, oh, I, I can't wait to that. It's going to be a decisive series between the Cubs and Cardinals. But I do think it is funny looking back when the schedule comes out and you look ahead and it's like, whoa, seven games, or I guess it was six because one's a doubleheader reschedule, six games against the Cardinals in the last nine games of the season. That's going to be crazy. And you know what? Maybe we will start there. We'll start there. I'll re- we had talked about doing a little transitional thing. I'll make it work. Um, and it's funny now, obviously, this this series and the one that will close the season at Bush are, for all intents and purposes, meaningless for the Cubs. And they, the crazy thing, I think, is because of this 12-game winning streak, which I think is like ending right now as we're recording. I think maybe they're losing to the Brewers as we record. But this crazy winning streak for the Cardinals has... I mean, it's arguably ended the wild card two race also, which they were down eight and a half games in that race just a month ago, eight and a half games. And now they're up four and a half. I mean, I don't know. We don't, we don't got to make this like a a Cardinals podcast, but like I couldn't not mention that fact. There's an easy tie in, right? Which is could the Cubs have done this if they wouldn't have sold did was that the mistake on Jed's part to sell? I, I think, you know, if you really want to analyze that, you can dream on that. Tra- should the Cubs, if the Cubs would have traded for John Lester and Jay Happ, would this have worked out? I don't, I, I think that's, I mean, I think that's clearly revisionist history. If uh, if people want to look at it that way, uh, the Cubs weren't playing well at all. The Cardinals looked terrible, right? I remember going to St. Louis and, uh, Cardinals writer saying some things well if this happens if that happens they could get back in it and the Cardinals are also in a different situation where they had to kind of do the soft buy right which they did uh, because they didn't have a bunch of guys hitting free agency so you know and they've invested with Arenado and Goldschmidt so it made more sense for them to do that but I can kind of understand where Cubs fans are coming from but the explanation when Cardinals uh, writers were saying that, what they were saying is, well, Jack Flaherty is coming back. Miles Michaelis is coming back. That that makes the rotation better and more interesting. And then you add Jay Happ and you add John Lester. Hey, maybe this offense gets healthy. And, and I think it's – I haven't looked at the numbers, but I think it's mostly the offense, right? The offense has been great. Tyler O'Neill has been playing like a stud. I don't know who else has – I know Arenado has been great, it, though he may have left with the back yesterday. Uh but either way, it's a very different team, even with the Cubs, even if the Cubs had kept Rizzo, Bryant and and uh, Javi. Uh, it's a it's a completely different team. They didn't have a Jack Flaherty coming back. They didn't have uh, Miles Michaelis coming back. Right. This is the rotation isn't much different than what it was looking before the the deadline. So the rotation was a mess. John Lester and Jay Happ weren't putting them over the top. Uh, the Cardinals have a, a little bit. I don't know if this is Cardinal devil magic or what, but it's uh, it's certainly interesting. And it's, you know, maybe there's some things you can look at with the way the Cardinals are playing and, and dream on the Cubs in, you know, I don't even want to say 2022, but 2023 uh, and, and hope and hope that things turn quicker because the, the Cardinals did look like they were a mess. And and some of those deals looked like it made it seem like it would be a mess for a little while. I mean, John Lester coming back to Wrigley with the Cardinals as a 200-game winner is just the absolute perfect ending to this Cubs home season. It's like the chef's kiss to all the absurdity and nonsense Cubs fans have dealt with 
uh, all year long from the you Darvish trade to um, you know the DraftKings sportsbook getting approved the week after the trade deadline sell off to the uh, Wrigley rededication ceremony right after a 12 game losing streak it is just so poetic that Lester comes back with of all teams the Cardinals 200 wins on his potential Hall of Fame resume and the chance to go back to the playoff game again I mean it's just uh it's kind of what the Cubs from top to bottom have earned this year just another ex-Cub from the glory days coming back in a much better situation uh it, it is really the only reason like to watch this weekend for me I mean as the Cardinals <laughs> magic number gets closer and closer to zero um there's nothing better than Lester and Cardinals red and they won't even be forced to celebrate if they were to clinch it this weekend, which I don't I don't recall if that's mathematically possible, given all the teams in the market. Risk. I think it's not. But let's let's say it was for the purposes of a thing I want to say. The visitors clubhouse <laughs> is like nicer now. So it's it, they wouldn't have even been forced to celebrate in the shitty, tiny, dank uh, pit of a visitors clubhouse. They would they would actually have a nice celebration. But I, I think they can't do it at Wrigley at this point. Uh, last last thing to say about this like this topic before we as you'll see we will come back to it sort of is that here's how much of a cubs fan homer i am and it's like instinctive okay so lester is traded to the cardinals at the deadline in a deal that was like barely you know who it registered for it registered for cubs fans because we were hyper intense focused on the deadline and it was like oh what just another indignity of this deadline all these guys <laughs> getting traded and now uh, Lester to the Cardinals, but like no one else in baseball noticed at all. I'm not even sure Cardinals fans noticed that they had acquired John Lester and J.A. Happ. The, the two of them that are listening to this podcast are like, what? what? J.A. Happ is on the Cardinals now? <laughs> um, so uh, here's what I did, of course, is they're in this hot streak. John Lester's had a really nice run of starts that have he certainly has contributed to this to this streak. I'm looking at his numbers post nationals trade and with the nationals he was you know he was basically the guy he was last year with the cubs and the year before that he was a late 30s guy in decline who was could occasionally give you a nice start but for the most part was not super usable maybe five innings of of, of decent uh work every other start well this hot run he's getting results his peripherals are garbage they're just terrible during this run. Like there's really nothing <laughs> fundamentally different about his actual performance during this stretch. And like when he was doing that with the Cubs, of course, the story I'm telling myself and telling everyone else, well, but he's a veteran who knows how to pitch to the scouting report. He knows how to use his defense. He knows how to execute that. When he's with the Cardinals doing it, I'm like, this is bullshit. This is, he's washed. How is he doing this? Uh, well, okay. And, Brett, to, to I don't actually, to... I'm just well, saying I catch myself. No, no, no. Like just to defend you and not say it's completely Homer. So I thought that in 19, that's what I thought Lester was doing, right? 19, no, 18. 18 was the year of the the wild card game, right? Uh, and <laughs> that's that's definitely what I thought John Lester was then. And like he, he'd get himself in trouble, somehow get out of trouble, uh, look like he was going to go one and two thirds, somehow get through six and only allow two runs. Even the wild card game was like that. If you remember, the the Rockies looked like they were just going to pour it on in the first inning. Even that year, he struck out 2018, 19.6% of the batters he faced, right? He, he's still walking about the same that he always has this year. And 
at, <laughs> with the Cardinals, he's striking out 12.8% of the batters he's facing. Like, that's not – like, anybody else does that, and you're just like, okay, this is nonsensical. It, it can't last. It's not possible. You better have, like, a 75% ground ball rate, which he certainly does not. He has, like, a league average ground ball rate. So it's – yeah, is it John Lester smoke and mirrors? Is it Cardinal devil magic? Maybe. But uh, I also think I, – I do think there's something to say for Lester's ability to – pitch instead of i guess um if we're going to compare this to the cubs and a decision that they made going with jake arietta jake arietta was always a thrower right like when he had great stuff he was elite he never learned how to pitch i think that's pretty clear like he he argued that he had this stuff uh this year okay you didn't have the results john lester does not have the stuff like and he's not even arguing that he has the stuff and he but he gets results he he he's there's some smoke and mirrors there. Would I invest in this long term? Would I even invest in it in the postseason? Well, maybe because it's John Lester and it's the Cardinals. But outside of that, if they're if both those names were different, I don't think I'd even think about investing in it, right? For for another month or two, uh, month and a half or so. Uh, but there is, I think, you know, I think if we just want to compare the Arietta and Lester thing, the decision. If you take out financials, I think it was it, it's obviously the wrong decision. But you add in uh, financials, and you're just like, how how did they end up in that way? John, they couldn't have convinced John Lester to wait a little while longer and pay a few million. Like they would have, they could have given him the same deal. Uh, I don't know what what exactly went wrong there, but they could have easily given him the same deal that he got, and that would have been savings compared to Jake Arrieta. And, at the, and I can't deny that at the time, I, I kind of trust, okay, the Cubs see something in Arietta that they believe they can fix and get him right as long as he's healthy. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt here. I don't know if they've earned that, but I would get, I'll give that, give that to them. And, and it obviously didn't work out. Uh, I don't, I, I'd have to say that they know Lester and Arietta well enough that they probably, even at the time, I don't think it's too harsh to say you're looking back with 2020 hindsight and saying they made that was the poor decision. That was the wrong decision at the time. Clearly it is now. But uh, I think you just have to go with the guy that knows how to pitch because they both clearly had deteriorating abilities. And uh, and it's just looks it's just such a bad decision in hindsight. I mean, Lester wanted to finish out his career with the Cubs. He's I, I think it's kind of roundly considered around baseball that he's done after this year. I'm not sure if that's a, a definite thing, uh, but he, you know he wanted the fans one last time to do it in a Cubs uniform at Wrigley, his last start, uh, and he didn't get to do that, and that's that, that kind of sucks. And and the way Jake Arrieta went out, how bad that story ended, <laughs> I mean, it just embarrassment all around. It, there's there's no uh, – it, it looks even worse now, that decision. Just a terrible decision. We don't even have to focus on, like, the outcome here the cubs talk about process and it's the same thing as the u darvish trade I mean, maybe preciado and casey will turn out to be terrific players but it was a deal made under duress a deal made when you cut the budget for baseball operations then trade your best pitcher like you can't expect like best case scenarios to just fall from the sky and it was the same thing with lester i mean we all knew there were red flags for a late thirties pitcher and watching him over the last several years, but like you couldn't have found a way to just give bump 
your last minute offer up a little bit to kind of get John Lester to where he needed to be. I mean, they, baseball side, they want him. They knew he could cover innings. They didn't think he'd be like a number one starter or anything like that, but they thought that he would have some value. And, and certainly so did the nationals, a team that knows pitching and, you know, the nationals wrung a young player out of Lester. I'm not saying that I'm looking him up here. Lane Thomas, not that he's like some next superstar, but he just turned 26. He's got a 776 OPS uh, in the big leagues over the course of a couple of seasons. Like they could well, have either gotten a four, prospect dude, out of Lester in a way that they didn't. In four years, that guy's going to be a stud with the Cubs. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. I and the Cubs are kind of waiting for guys to turn 30 before they <laughs> kind of show the world how smart they are on these hitters. But <laughs> it's just like. You know, when someone like John Lester is practically pleading for one more year and your manager wants him and your front office says, yeah, he can give us innings, but Jed doesn't have the the room in his payroll or doesn't know exactly where it's going to be. And then a couple weeks later, it's like, we've got some indicators. We think you could go here. It's just a messed up process. And that's why, you know, Cubs fans are so skeptical right now when the organization is saying, trust us. And they're like, you couldn't even get the John Lester thing right. It was like the ultimate layup. It was a two-foot putt. And he's with the Cardinals as a 200-game winner. Is going to go back to the playoffs for like the 10th time in 16 seasons. Like, get that right. If you can't be trusted on the small things like that, how are you going to get the big things right? I saw something, too, where the Cardinals are talking about lining up Lester for the wild card game, which, I mean, I guess that's partly would be buying into the idea that, like, when it's the biggest moment, he summons that and whatever. It struck me as crazy. But, like, yeah, what you're saying, Mooney, that just really hammered that home for me that, like, uh, we will always reflect on this. It's always going to be remembered as a choice that the Cubs made between John Lester and Jake Arrieta and that they would assuredly say, no, the timing was what made that happen we of course wanted to try to redo something with john lester and, and we may have decided thereafter to still do something with jake arietta just it was the timing but i think that for all that you guys are saying it's fair right there there had to have been a way you know if they, if they were really like okay yeah we might be able to get arietta late but the guy we really want is john lester because we think we can ride that for one more year and just make it special it just feels like there had to have been a way to do that and um, other side note on that, it's just funny that the Nationals really ate the Cubs lunch uh, in departing decisions that the Cubs made, both with uh, Lester and Kyle Schwarber. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Okay, so while we're on this topic of uh, decisions the Cubs have made, oh wait, I wanted to, I want to make one more point, and then I'll, then I'll transition on that. In this, because I got to do my, I have to do my overly defensive imagined point thing. Like here's another thing the Cubs would say. They would say, well, whether we made the right or wrong decision, the Arietta signing was about upside. It was about the hope of reclaiming him and. We knew it was a low chance, but there's a reason that Arietta got more money uh, is because, okay, he's out of Philadelphia. Maybe there's there's a potential to tweak him in a way that like he could actually be give us a, a, a year or a half season of being a four. You know, there was there's no realistic hope of that with Lester. Like you aren't going to resign him one uh, and suddenly he's he rediscovers some upside that was never going to happen with Lester. And then two, if you if you maxed out each guy, Arietta probably nets you a little something better at the deadline, a, a reformed, maxed back out Arietta than a Lester. So that's why they paid more to get him, and that was why that decision. I mean, now they were wrong. Like, let's be clear, it did not like it, it didn't work. Now, of course, they would say, well, we knew we were taking a ten percent chance on like huge upside. And, 90% of the time it doesn't work out and it just happened to be that 90%. Well, I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth on whether that's a reasonable defense for decisions. Um, and so now I can transition into, we obviously did a lot of talk about the rotation and the things that the Cubs need to do this off season in the last uh, ep- podcast episode. Uh, and then we, each of us, I noticed did some individual writing about the rotation thereafter and that became, I thought, uh, a really interesting extended discussion in the various Cubs discussion spheres um, over the following days. And what I found most interesting in the reaction discussion is that I, I felt like the three of us, both in what we said on the podcast and what we have, have written either subsequently or previously, are all kind of on the same page that, um, yeah, you know, Kyle Hendricks, of course, rotation spot locked up and what he's going to be is debatable. That's a lot about what we talked about last time. Uh, Alec Mills probably justifies a spot now, like sort of mentally when you're preparing the rotation in the offseason. But if the Cubs actually want to compete, they're going to need to add two surefire guys from there. Not necessarily aces, but like guys that you know are solid members of the rotation. And then at least two more guys to compete whether because it's a nice low cost, it's upside, it's whatever, it's interesting because you can't count on Thompson, Steele, Alzlai definitely being in the rotation. Like I, I thought that was a pretty measured perspective. Um, and I found a lot of the responses to that to be surprised, like that we were saying that you can't count on any of these three, that the Cubs should do X, Y, and Z, you know, are they would they even do make that many additions, which we weren't necessarily saying we're saying they should. Um, so I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts to if you've had any more reflection on that perspective and go, you know, um, I guess. And then we can add to that a little bit, fill that out a little bit more. So we'll, we'll start there. Yeah, I honestly, I haven't checked the comments. Uh, the Twitter response was more the other direction. Like, why aren't you? I mean, if they're going to spend, they should spend on, you know, legit starters that you know you can fit in, which I'll get back to in a second. But I I feel like if you're going – like, 
fans are settling for like yeah give Alzali like were fans arguing that they should in your in your experience Brett that that they should give all three or even two like just a spot just give them a spot heading into yeah. the season the two main veins which I think do go together are that it isn't realistic to think that the Cubs are going to add four starting pitchers. And then within that, there's the the narrower discussions like what you're talking about, like, no, they should go balls out on these guys. And then because it isn't realistic or because it's not desirable to add for you, you're advocating for a perspective that artificially blocks out the opportunity for like Alzali to take off next year. And, you know, I have a response to that, which we'll get into, but that's, that's the majority of what I'm seeing is, is folks, I think understandably wanting to have it both ways, add a couple elite guys and then reserve two spots for internal guys. Yeah. No, you can't do that. You can reserve, you can have two spots that you're competing for that they compete for. And if they're the best in spring training, but you can't just say like, I'm not even going to give them competition. That's, that's a terrible way to run a baseball team. You need pitching depth. If if Alzali or Steele or Thompson, one, two, or all three of them come into spring and are just great and earn a rotation spot, fine. But you cannot give them a rotation spot or give them an easier path to a rotation spot. There are two guys you have to add that you feel comfortable going into the rotation. That's a reasonable expectation. Now, someone said, if you're not going to get Robbie Ray or Kevin Gaussman, what's the point? Why even try and compete? What if I told you that two years ago, Brett? What would you say to me if I said, if you're not going to sign Robbie Ray or Kevin Gaussman in an offseason, why even bother trying to compete? You would have told me I'm a freaking idiot, right? Like, you would have been so annoyed with me. Like, do you watch baseball? Those guys aren't any good is what you would have told me. And now they're aces. That's how people look at them. Robbie race. Like I'm not wrong. He stunk last year, right? In 2020. Like, yes. Yeah. He, okay. Well, he so, and, <laughs> he and Gaussman, by the way, just while we're on that, cause I, I love that you chose them by the way. And you no, that's did. That's literally so. the, what the they're guy like the chose. The that was in my but mentions. Like, <laughs> but what's so fascinating about them is they are the upside actualized, you know, like when exactly. you nail a decision, that's when a, you nail a decision on that they need tier. To find those yeah. guys. Yeah. Now, do you want to? Do you trust that they can? Is a separate question. But that's what they need to do. You can't say there's no way to compete unless you say sign Robbie Ray or Kevin Gaussman. Of course there is. You just have to be right. I don't know if if we can trust that they will be. But I know one thing for sure. You can't be uh like you know going through the dregs of free agency i said this last time they need to be aggressive with it early right find the one or two year deal guy you're not going to sign a four or five year deal guy it's just not going to happen now if robbie ray doesn't find a market for some weird reason and then he ends up with like a two-year deal at like 45 50 million why shouldn't the cubs do that even if they don't think they're not going to contend like that's a smart investment you can flip that guy if you if he's an ace uh, come july and the cubs stink a year and a half of Robbie Ray pitching like he did this year uh, under control gets you what like the the Jose Barrios return, right? Or something close to it. It gets you something pretty insane in return. So you make that investment even if you think you're not competing because you give him a rotation spot and you figure it out. Uh, so it's it's not that they're not signing those guys. It's they're not signing those guys at the contracts I expect them to garner in the offseason. They will sign anyone, I think. I think unless something weird happens financially that I that I'm completely misreading or mishearing, 
they they have the ability to give guys big one or two year deals, and that's their that's their biggest leverage. They can go short deal and give big AAVs. They have plenty of money to spend. It's not that they don't have money to spend. It's that here's the thing: if if you have a ten percent chance of winning in 2022, competing in 2022, thirty in 2023 and then you really view 24 and 25 as your big years do you want to give someone a four-year deal at uh you know 100 and you know 20 plus when you think that their best years are the first two years of that deal or do you want to save that money for that next free agency or the following free agency class and say that i'm going to give that four-year deal that right now i think you should be looking one two-year deals unless it's a 27 year old on a four-year deal does, am I making sense when I say that? Like, there's no reason to give a – you don't give a Dallas Keuchel a four-year deal right now. They're not in that part of their contention cycle. You give a 27 or 26-year-old if you can get them, sure. That that person doesn't exist though. So, I mean, that's – I think that's the way you need to look at it, uh, that it's not about they're not trying to compete. It's about – they're not at a point in their contention cycle where it makes sense to kind of overpay and give those extra years to a guy and say, screw it. I'm trying to win in 2022 and 2023. Whatever happens in 24 and 25, we'll make it, we'll figure it out on the back end, right? That's not how they can look at it because that'd be, a, I mean, you know, I understand fans would like, prefer that, just spend a hand over fist, but that's not what they're going to do. It's just not going to happen. So we have to try and analyze it in a realistic, through a realistic lens of what's possible. And, and that's I think that I think that's a reasonable way to expect them to act. I, I don't you know, I'm not sure if it'll work out, but they're, they're guys. I mean, uh, I was surprised by some pitchers peripherals that I mentioned. Eduardo Rodriguez, his peripherals are pretty nice. There was another guy that I mentioned who now I'm blanking in the same breath as as uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. And I'm blanking who it was. But regardless, there are guys who are pushing like 30 percent strikeout rates with with average walk rates and don't have the pure results don't have the pure ERA number that may be like in the mid fours or something like that. If that guy's going to go for a one or two year deal, that's the type of guy you, you go with and just and hope it, he, it, he pops. Now the Cubs need to invest in defense again too, right? We, we can't, they, they can't have a bad defense out there. And then those peripherals don't mean anything because any ball in play becomes like a, you know, a base hit through the middle or something. I think the Cubs are clearly going to give contracts to stu- two starting pitchers who are, told you're going to make 30 starts next year that is their biggest selling point beyond just the money is that we will give you a platform now the final 13 to 17 starts might be with another team that's kind of how they did it with the scott feldman's and the jason hamels uh and those deals worked out pretty well for everyone involved and then from there Maybe there's some competition. Maybe you do kind of the grab bag of different guys who might be able to start the change of scenery guys, the bounce back injury guys. I just, and I, I think we all agree. We're not picking on Alzali, Steele, Thompson. I think all three of them have good stuff. Uh, By all accounts, the coaching staff really enjoys working with them. They've shown flashes. I think, they have really solid floors as good major league relief pitchers. Uh, and that's nothing to look down upon. It's just that, you know, it was, it was three years ago when the Cubs were like, 
you know, if Alzale had stepped forward this year, we wouldn't have had to pick up Cole Hamels' option. Like, it's a long time ago. It's forever in baseball. And this idea of, well, let's see what he has next year. I mean, I, I feel like that train has kind of left the station. Maybe he does come back next year and just blows everyone away and earns a job out of spring or steps in when the first guy gets injured and everything clicks. And that's not out of the question, the way that people like Kyle Hendricks and Tommy Hadovy describe Alzale's work ethic and, and IQ. Uh, you can't totally rule that out. You also can't count on it for next season. And thinking these guys are going to jump towards like 150, 200 innings next year is just not reasonable really at all. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, so to bring together some things that you guys are saying, um, I'm going to try to make one of these points that like, God, I wish I was writing this because it's gonna I'm going to say what I want to say and then I'm gonna be like, okay, I need to actually edit this and, and sort of reorganize this because I'm going to get hammered because I'm going to not make it as artfully as I want. But... I think uh, what I think some people are missing about this moment in time for the Cubs is you can get a little too fixated on the idea that like, well, they're unlikely to be competitive in 2022. That's just an honest assessment of what's available to the Cubs. Um, So you get focused on that. And then therefore you either go one of two directions. You get pissed off that we're saying, it might not make the most sense to go after the four or five year guys right now at this moment. Okay. Because the best years for those guys are going to be in the first two. And that might not be as impactful to this Cubs team right now as it would be a couple years from now. So you get pissed off that they're not going to go after the big names and you're pissed off that they're not trying to max out near term winning because you're a fan and you want them to win every year. I get all that. I agree with all of that to some extent, but what I think that misses is this opportunity that the Cubs and fans have right now that we don't get very often, which is the Cubs have the ability to be like the preeminent team playing in the short-term pool this offseason. And that isn't an excuse. It isn't like a defense of, of them doing the wrong approach. It's just that, okay, it makes a shitload of sense for them to go after the choiciest of choice, short-term, yes, warts, but yes, upside guys right now because they have the money to do it. You can spend a lot of money short-term if you want to. You, you do it because you're adding a lot of guys. 
Like that's that's an ability that the Cubs have that a lot of teams don't because they have a lot of money that's available. They don't want to commit long term for the reasons Sahadith put really well. I really dig that 10 percent, 30 percent that the year year to year consideration thing. That was really well, well put. Put that in an article because that's that's good. That's the first time I've, I've heard it articulated that way, and it, it, it landed very well for me at least. Um, they they may not have the 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 obvious time to compete right now, but what they do have is a lot of money available to spend. And if you don't want to spend that 2022 money on the first year of a five year deal for Robbie Ray, because I agree that doesn't make sense to me, but you do want to spend it. Well, then you spend it on whoever Robbie Ray is in this class because the Blue Jays gave him what 10 million to do this this year like you have to find those guys and you pay them really well to do it for one or two years for you and then you're able to do that because one you have the money and two you have the starts available not every team does and like I get it that means that you're not necessarily going to be able to market yourself as we are definitely going to win in 2022 and so you should sign with us because you're definitely going to have a chance to win Maybe so. You hit on enough of those and like we've seen teams do it. Um, but your sales pitch is that we've got the money to sign you to a really nice short term deal. And we've got the rotation spots to give you to really put yourself together for a good full year or get traded to a contender. And there's benefits to that as well. And so I guess I just get I think about that and I think that's exciting. OK, maybe I just get too excited about some of those like interesting mid mid tier like a Noah Syndergaard type. Okay. You mentioned him in your article. Sadik. I see that opportunity and I'm like, hell yes, that is exciting that the Cubs, that that's a guy that the Cubs a hundred percent should be sprinting to try to sign to a really pricey one year deal with maybe, maybe they get lucky and they get an option on the back of that or a two year deal, whatever. But like, cause not every team can financially afford to, to lock in a ton of money on a guy who might totally not be ready to go. They can't afford to do that. Or two, they can't afford to do it from a competitiveness standpoint because they need guys who are definitely going to contribute next year because they expect to win. So not every team can go balls out on Noah Syndergaard, but the Cubs can for all the reasons we've said. They, they exactly can. And to me as a fan, maybe I'm weird like that. That excites me just as much except in a different way that excites me just as much as them going after a Kevin Gaussman or a Marcus Stroman, which again, we can have those debates. We can, I'm open to it. There's reasons why maybe it does make sense, whatever. But like, I get just as excited about doing this kind of an approach, which the Cubs haven't been able to do for a very long time. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying and I get, uh, you know, uh, why some fans would push back on that. They just want more of a sure thing, but, Right. I mean, it gets right back to the point that Kevin Gaussman and Robbie, Robbie Ray were not sure things when they were originally signed. So so it, I, there's a, there's a way to get to a competitive standpoint. The other guy that I w- was talking about, by the way, was John Gray. Great peripherals. Danny Duffy, when he's actually healthy, is a guy that that's good. You know, Dylan Bundy has had results before you know there's there's someone there's going to be one or two guys that we're talking about or probably overlooking that's gonna that are gonna put together like 180 innings and like a 3.5 ERA with a good strikeout rate or something they're gonna and guys, they're gonna just by the way just results guys in arbitration with other clubs that want to dump them that's another yeah just another angle exactly there's there are going to be options they have to get two of them 
right? They have to get two of them, put them in the rotation, get two more, get three more, get four more, right? And I'm not even talking about four, like six guys total that, and all six of them, you're like, you even are aware that they, that they signed them, right? There's going to be two that, that nobody knows of, like Adrian Sampson, you know, stuff like that, uh, that, you know, contribute in some way. Now, is Adrian Sampson isn't isn't uh, really uh, helping a contender, right? But uh, did anybody celebrate when the Mariners signed Chris Flexen? Uh, like, does anybody like you know? I'm, I'm maybe we don't have enough people that follow AL baseball, but Chris Flexen is doing very well for the Mariners. And, I would say and, I I would submit that at this point the Mariners are really flexing about that sign. <laughs> But that's Thank that's you. my point. Just Thank you. Make sure your pro scouts. Mic make drop. sure your pro scouts are mining sure you every review, area hey, to find. A make star. sure you review our podcast, by the way, like immediately <laughs> after that line. Just like that's that's the moment you should drop that two star review and be like, you know, I was with them, and then that one dipshit said the thing and. Sorry, please continue with your actual no, think, thoughtful uh, baseball point. Uh, uh, the ultimate point was, you know. Mine every area for an advantage. Find multiple starters, two, three, four, five, six. You can never have enough, but two need to be in the rotation, and two more need to be competing with the trio uh, that w- that we talk about in Thompson, Steele, and Alzali. That's I don't think there's any other way to go about it. Yeah, I went down the uh, baseball reference uh, rabbit hole here while you were talking, Sadev. I like the Dylan Bundy mention, the former number four. Overall pick and be 29 next year after being with the Orioles and Angels. I'm sure the Cubs would love to get their hands on him. John Gray, Stephen Matz from the great quartet of young arms. Good pull. That the Mets had back in 2015. So, you know, sometimes we. Matt Harvey's available too. Matt Harvey, Jose Quintana, John Lester, you know, yeah. Tyson Ross. We can just knock off Tyler Chatwood. Tyler Chatwood. Yeah. Just, yeah. uh, I think we get so buried in the Cubs that we think everyone else has been like watching them this closely. I'm sure there's gonna be tons of pictures out there. Oh yeah, the Cubs. They they won the World Series a couple of years ago, right? Well, like let's. I'll go there. You know, they're not gonna be like, you know, kind of mired in. Um, kind of all the stuff we were talking about at the front end of this podcast. Like everyone loves Chicago. Everyone loves Wrigley Field in the summertime. Uh, spring training in Scottsdale. You know, it's it's an easy sell. Give them a ton of money, and you'll either the Cubs will either surprise everyone, or uh, you'll get traded to a contending team in July, and you'll make your starts as long as you're healthy. It's a pretty uh pretty good sell. Dude, the Cubs just need to put together a recruiting poster. With Frank Schwindel doing his double guns, you know, we want you. The Cubs want you. I can't believe you. he did that yesterday, by the way, after the He did the it in game. Oh, it was the best. I love that guy. I mean, uh, he told me not he, he, he can't taste yourself too much, so he's towing the line, though. He's definitely towing the line. <laughs> I feel like that was like a beer league softball move. Like I feel like that is a guy who's not taking himself. He's like not maybe, buying him himself. Maybe you're right. Like, yeah, I caught that ball. Look at me, I caught that ball. <laughs> um, oh, that he's he is fun and um, certainly. Well, I that's that's a whole other episode is to talk about the positional stuff through this same lens that we're talking about the rotation and the opportunities and that kind of stuff. Yeah, we'll we should actually do that, <laughs> but um, uh, we'll leave it there. Otherwise uh, on the recruiting poster, somebody's going to shop that up. A little uncle Sam, little uncle Frank, 
Uncle Schwindel, we want you. Um, you're, you're welcome. Whoever puts like that, that together. Yeah. You're, yeah. I like how the, Cub, the Cubs uh, used to film these like, you know, video simulations of the exact moment when they won the World Series, <laughs> like John Lester on the mound against CC Sabathia and the Yankees, and now it's just like a Frank the Tank gif <laughs> just <laughs> sent to your house. At there it. you go. <laughs> you could be in the background of the next Frank the Tank gif uh, on uh, on Marquee Sports Network. So uh, thank you all for listening. Hopefully that all made sense with respect to the rotation stuff. Cause I, I think it's, it's just tremendous to me. It's just tremendously fruitful uh, both for the Cubs to explore and for our discussions this off season. I, you know, it, it, I swear I'm not even, it's not even about like, Oh, well this is my job. So I got to fill space. We need stuff to talk about. Like it jacks me up as a fan to be like able to explore these interesting names like when you guys were going through the list when mooney was just saying it now and it's like oh my god yes i want to dig in on steven Matz right now i want to know like oh yeah how did he do with the blue jays this year i feel like he bounced back a little bit oh was he going to be looking for it like that stuff gets me excited and it for a variety of reasons hasn't been super realistic for the cubs to be aggressive in that pond they should have been last offseason obviously pandemic whatever but no excuses at all this offseason so i look forward to it I hope you guys do too, and I hope you enjoy your weekend and you're back with us uh, next week after this Cardinal series for another episode of On to Waveland. That's what we do here at The Athletic. It's the Cubs podcast. Uh, I'm Brett Taylor. You catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. And it's not like I don't know your name. I don't know. <laughs> Struggling. <laughs> Struggling. Uh, <laughs> those Malort shots I had before the uh, pod started. <laughs> sprinting i only had seven minutes like i said so i was like sprinting give me five shots quick they're just all hitting me now at the same time so uh thank you guys <laughs> we appreciate it we'll see you next week rate review subscribe all that good stuff take care <laughs>